Amen. Amen. So to launch off this morning what I want to minister, I want to just use that example just very quickly. And I want to say this, that when you get prayed for, for healing, and if nothing manifests, or straight away, you, 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 you don't sense or feel, or the pain doesn't immediately dis, disappear. I want to encourage us as Christians, you've got to have a better answer than I'm not healed. Because if you say not healed, you're allowing your circumstances to dictate who you are. Amen. You're allowing your circumstances to tell you and to speak louder than truth. Amen. Let me encourage you here today. If you lose your job, does that make you unemployed? If you bounce your debit orders, does that make you poor? Because if you're a child of God, your identity is found in Jesus Christ. And He dictates who you are, and that truth speaks louder than my circumstances. Thank God I am not what my circumstances say. Thank the Lord. See, if you lose your job then, and you don't have this understanding, then you kind of go, oh, woe is me, I'm unemployed, what am I going to do now? I've got children, I've got a house, I've got everything, and oh God, and I, better, I get, better get on the prayer chain, I get into a spiral of, help me, and I don't know why this happened to me. Or I can lose my job and stand up and say, thank God I am a child of God. Thank God I'm in covenant. Woo. Wouldn't it be a nightmare if I wasn't? But now that I'm in covenant with him, there's no problem. God can open doors, close doors. It's nothing that God doesn't see. Amen. But now that I've shocked you, we'll start with what I want to share this morning. And it's simply, I've entitled this, Luki. Got the title up front. Stop living in survival mode. As the people of God, with this nice little light on my Bible. You see, what we do as the people of God is we grab hold of and we cling to a promise of God. We've found that promise, found in the Word. We are, we're famous for finding promises in the Word. Um, when we do have a relationship with a living God, but we love to find promises in the Word. Dear God, if, if the church could understand what I've just said now. We have a living relationship with a God, but we love to go and find promises. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of my living relationship and covenant with Jesus. I'm not locking promises. What I'm saying is we grab hold of a promise. We cling to that promise, and we trust God for that promise. And then while we are grabbing hold of that promise, and we're trusting God for that promise, the testimony of our life is a life as if we have not got the promise. That's what we do. So my testimony in my life displays as if I've not got the promise while I'm desperately clinging on and waiting for the promise. Why am I saying this, church? What I'm trying to encourage us as a family is we want to have promises. We want to declare them. We want to believe God for them. But what happens if they don't come? Or what happens if you don't get the promise? It's wobbling the church right now. And it's not supposed to wobble the church. Their foundation is wrong. Our foundation and who we are and identity is not found in the promise, friends. It's found in Him, and it's unwavering. And my testimony and what I'm called to do, friends, is not found in whether God answers the promise or doesn't answer the promise, and God is a promise keeper. 
but we don't find it. We cling to that, friends. While we're clinging to that, friends, our life displays a, a life as if we don't have it. I'm making sense, Lord. Friends, we're not here to survive. We're not here to make sure nothing happens or to make sure everything goes smoothly in our life. We're not here uh, to be treated right or to be blessed. We are here to be more like Him. We are here to be led by His wisdom, to have His eyes and His hands and His feet, to be Christ, to be the body of Christ on the earth. Amen. We are here to shine who He is. We can understand this because when you go to a person and you ask, you ask a person, you say, so how are you doing? When you go to a person and say, so how are you doing? A large part of the church, fine, all good. But let's just say we were actually transparent and open and we really did share with one another. And, uh, and so you go to a person and all those that are transparent and sharing, whatever, and you ask them, so how are you doing? 99% of Christians will tell you the situation, the circumstance, or the difficulty that, that they're in. So how are you doing? Brother, I'm battling at the moment. Um, I've just lost my job, or I've just actually, uh, my car crashed, and I've just had this huge bill of this and that, and they give you all their challenge and their difficulty of what they're in right now. That's, there's never a thought of, uh, about the relationship, the revelation of my relationship in Jesus. How are you doing? It's awesome. I got such a revelation this week of just how much God loves me and just what amazing child of God I am. Friends, what you're doing is you're making your situation, your circumstance, your identity. What it does, friends, let me just say it like this. What it does is it subtly makes the gospel is here for us. Rather than we are here for the gospel. What it subtly does is the gospel comes about serving me instead of transforming me. So the things around me are deciding who I am until God changes them for me. getting this? So the circumstances and the situations around me are deciding my situation. I'm depressed now because things are not going well for me, but I'm trusting the Lord that He's going to change it for me. So while I'm trusting Him, I'm just going to be depressed. And when He changes it for me, I'm going to be happy. Friends, that's not even in the Bible. That's not even remotely the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ comes, friends, to transform us and make us new creatures in Christ, alive and new. And it's not dictated by anything else. So right now, it doesn't matter what's happening. I'm called to shine. So what's happening in the church today is the testimony is based on what God does or doesn't do. When the testimony is about Jesus and what He did, and I can be that, bear that, test me wherever I go, friends. That's why I use the illustration I want to encourage you when we prayed for the sick. Friends, it's not about whether I've got an 80% uh, hit rate when it comes to uh, praying for the sick. It's about, my testimony is about Jesus. Wherever I go, I can pray for the sick. It's not about whether I actually prayed this morning, whether I spent more time, whether I studied the Word, whether I know the Scriptures, don't know the Scriptures, whether I'm a professional prayer, whether I have an absolute sound in my voice that just reverberates and just causes people to get healed. Friends, it's about Jesus. I have a testimony of Jesus 24-7. And I'm called to reflect that testimony 24-7. And that testimony is not based on anything else that's going on around me. It's based on what He did. Amen. If you catch this, it changes your life. You see, the seductive 
clever little lie of the enemy is he's got to try as best as he can seductively to make this thing about us. Because every single one of us as we sit here today, we come to family, this 24-7 family. We love each other. We love this family. We, our hearts are, are towards him. We're for him, friends. But if he can just seductively just allow this little light to sneak in that the gospel is about us, friends. I've seen too many good people that have wobbled over wrong beliefs and wrong understanding where the enemies try to lie to them, friends, as to who they really are. And that's why I love that that came forth this morning. The breakthrough is within. If you just believe who you are in God. That's why the Bible can make these radical and bold statements. Where it can actually say, for a Christian, complaining is absolutely taboo. In fact, the Bible is so strong that it's not even allowed. It's wrong for a Christian to complain. How can you even make such a bold statement, God? Because he has given us a revelation of the gospel to understand who we are in him. And that we're not products of our surroundings and our situations and our circumstances. We have Christ. It's a mystery, but it's Christ in us. We try and unpack this more. I see in the, you feel the, you see, if the devil can get us to the subtle line that comes about me, friends, then what happens is I lose my testimony of being a shining light in all situations. Then we've got to make sure that we dovetail one another and we dovetail well. Because you know what? Today, Jess is shining like a light. But Connor, he's a bit down. So let Jess shine. And then tomorrow, Jess is not feeling so like, but Connor's shining. So let's, depending on the situations. So God, I'm going through a difficult situation. I can't shine today. Friends, he calls us to be lights, to shine. We shine because it's not dependent on a circumstance or a situation in our lives. We shine 24-7. We are shining. Otherwise, otherwise, friends, what happens is we just become another whole group of people with a belief system and a theology, friends, that doesn't work. And that's called religion. See, religion can do nothing for you except make you exhausted and tired and disillusioned. The gospel is never meant to be a whole bunch of rules. The gospel is a revelation and understanding of Jesus Christ. And that He's alive. And that He is the hope inside of every single one of us. And we love our, live our lives according to that hope. You see, we do a lot of things which seem Christian, but they don't produce life. And God's saying, enough. I came to give you life. Let's walk in life. The Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It's the enemy trying to rob us. The Bible says seek first the kingdom of God, not our well-being. Seek first the kingdom. And then guess what? The rest is added. Does he care about the rest? Absolutely, it's added. But what's the focus? Seek first the kingdom. Amen. So that's what I'm just trying to help us a little bit this morning. The key thing, friends, about the gospel is we were all called to be found in God's image, image expressing God's nature. Boom. Full stop. Game over. End of quote, statement, life banner. We were called to be in His image and in His likeness. That's what we were called to be. Friends, when we lost that, when Adam and Eve fell, the whole process of history and the whole process of the gospel of Jesus Christ is to restore us back into likeness of Christ. And then to express that likeness, right? 
Do we get that? I'll tell you why it's important, because I'm going to share scripture with you now that's, that will challenge you. Let's just quickly go to uh, Ephesians 4.24. My last little light. Ephesians 4.24. Just in case someone's just staring at me going, where does this come from? 23, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, verse 24, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. So we are to be renewed in the spirit of our minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3, just a couple of pages, skip over a few pages. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. Verse 10 says, and, having, and, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So we're putting on the new man, the new self, which is made in the image of God. Romans chapter 8 talks about being conformed to the image of Christ. Our lives, friends, have been restored back into the likeness and the image of God. God has done that when we got born again and a transformation took place. The new man came into being, right? We're on this understanding. So if the new man's come into being, friends, and we are like him then, our responsibility is a journey of, a, of becoming more and more uh, a, 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 like him and an expression through our lives. So my identity and who I am, friends, is not about all that's going on inside of me. It's about understanding who I am and allowing that to be expressed through my life. Right? Are we, are we all with me? The whole goal of the gospel is to be transformed back into his image. So when we talk about Romans chapter 12, not to complicate the matter, but to simply say this, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How are we transformed? By the renewing of our mind. What's he actually trying to say to us? What he's trying to say to us is he's given us new life. And our mind has to be transformed because we have to think thoughts that we have never thought before. I was created as an amazing being in God. As an amazing, powerful a child of God made in his image, and then in the fall, we lost all of that. God now wants to restore me back to how I was made in his image. And this now new image and this new life, friends, I, I have to be transformed and renew this because the way I thought, the way we all thought, we were in the wrong homeschool. Not by choice, we were born into Adam, right? We're born into Adam, wrong homeschool, wrong way of thinking. The Bible says you have to be born again. When I'm born again, I'm born back into the fullness and the image of Christ. And when I'm born into that, friends, he wants to give me new life. But I have to change this in order for new life to be able to flow. The Bible uses another illustration. I'll give it to you like this. He says you can't take new wine and put it in an old wineskin. What happens to the old wineskin? Friends, you can't take new life and put it into an old head. There has to be a change here. This guy. You've got to empty it out and fill it again. You've got to renew your mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can test so that you can test what is the perfect will of God for you and my life. Ooh. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Don't have to go there. I'll quickly read it. If I can. 
We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Just as Christ died, was buried, and then rose again. Friends, so our lives were buried with Christ, and we rose again. And we did all of that process because so that we could walk in newness of life. God wants us to walk in newness, in newness, in newness of life. To walk in newness of life, friends, I have to renew this guy. It's a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of understanding. Right? Right. See, we haven't, Jesus isn't incorporated into us. He has become us. I have been transformed. The gospel is about a transformed life, friends. It's not about fixing this, fixing that, doing that, doing that, friends. Otherwise, that's the testimony of the church. Up, down, up, down, fix this, healed, not healed. Yes, God blessed me, didn't bless me. God, and all of that journey, friends, we up, down, great testimony, not a good testimony, a sort of a good testimony. Oh, we're waiting, so no wait. And then God's going to do something for me that can help me, friends, when all I'm called to do is none of that. I'm called to shine. I'm called to be transformed, to live a life redeemed in Christ, and every single day I wake up to release and live that life. And every single circumstance, everything that comes my way does not change that one iota. So every single circumstance and situation, I can shine and be Jesus. Amen. Now that's the challenge to the church because this thing has tried to get inside of us and it's trying to, it's the, the root of it, friends, is it's trying to get you and I double-minded. And I shared last week about the sower sowing the seeds. Some of them fell in that ground and thorns grew up. Because what we're listening to, friends, it's not just the Word of God, there's other seeds. Remember, those that were here last week? Other seeds spring up, friends. The other seeds is not the seed of life. It's not the seed of Christ. It's the seed of a thorn. And one of those thorns, the Bible says, is called the cares of this world. And that Greek word there means divided mind. See, we can't have a divided mind. We have to understand we are redeemed and who we are in God. We can't let the other seeds take and try and choke the, this revelation of who we are in God. Amen. Let me read, I want to just read, let me read Bible to you. Acts chapter 20. Let's just read Acts chapter 20 just because we can. And it's in the Bible. And we're here, gathered as the church, and we love the Word. So let's just read the Word. So Acts chapter 20. Let me reading from verse 22. This is Paul speaking. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit. Don't you love that? I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm constrained by the Spirit. You know, it's a lovely word, that. That's not a word that's, I'm forced by the Spirit. The Spirit is pushing me. I can't help myself. I'm constrained. It's like, I can't do anything else. I just, I've got to go to Jerusalem. I'm just, the Spirit of God is just, He's just wooed me. He's captivated me. He's just drawing me. I'm off to Jerusalem. Constrained by the Spirit. Not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Who wants to put this on their fridge? This is a great fridge magnet. But I do not... Account my life of any value, not as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus. Don't you love these words of Paul? He's sharing with us here that he's constrained by the Spirit, and he's being led by him, and he's going to Jerusalem. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. He hasn't given me any details, except to say this, that whatever city I do go to, there's going to be a lot of hardship there. Um, you're going to get clapped. And you're going to end up in prison. But hey, 
I don't count my life dear. It's called a Christian. See, friends, if you don't understand this truth, you'll never live this. Because if the truth is, no, no, hold on, God doesn't lead me into danger. God doesn't, uh, uh, He always wants to look after me. He wants to bless me. He wants to help me. God isn't about uh, 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 in any way that, that, that any harm and this and that and, 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 and all these things that decide for me. So that now when I walk through life and those things begin to come my way, they begin to batter me and they begin to define who I am. When the Bible says, I don't, I, Paul says, I don't count my life as dear. I gave it to the Lord. It's all His. I'm constrained by the Holy Spirit. He's leading me in a direction. I don't have all the details of what that direction is. I just know there's going to be in pain. See, this won't get on TV. But I pray, dear God, it gets in our hearts. What causes a man to lead this way? Because he's an apostle, Paul. No, what causes a man to do this, friends, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Skip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's just finish the story. This is not a heavy on us. This is a challenge. If you're finding it a heavy, just I'll cut you free in the name of Jesus. Just let it, let it speak. I'm going to read chapter 11, such a wonderful chapter, because we... Run out of time, but it's fine. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Don't you love Paul? Don't you you love this language? He's saying, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me. saying, listen, just bear with me here. I'm just going to be a little foolish this morning. I'm just going to say a few things. For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband, to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So let me be a little foolish here. I'm the one that brought you to Jesus. I'm the one that betrothed you to him. And the challenge is that I preach to you a pure gospel, a single-mindedness, a single focus. But just as the enemy tried to come in subtly and deceive Adam and Eve, He wants to come in and deceive you here. What? To take away a pure gospel, friends. To make you double-minded. Right? So he says here, For if anyone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Indeed, if I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles, even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, if in every way we have made this plain to you in all things. Or did I commit sin in humbling myself so that you may be exalted because I have preached God, the gospel to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. He's trying to tell them something here. Can you hear his heart, friends? He's leading up to something. And when I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained. He's telling them, listen, this is not a tainted gospel. I didn't, I'm not preaching to this to get gain. I'm not preaching this to you to to try and uh, manipulate you in any any way. I preach this thing without restraint, and it's just the purity of the gospel. Hear the purity of the gospel that Paul is trying to share with us. Now the truth of Christ is in me. This boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And why? Because I I do not love you. God knows I do. And what I do will continue to do. He goes on. Then he says, verse uh, 16, I repeat, let let no one think me foolish. But if you do, accept me as a fool, so that I too may boast a little. What am I saying with this boastful confidence? I say not with the Lord's authority, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For you bear... If someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face, to my shame I must say, we were too weak for that. What he's saying here is that people come along and tell them all this funny, fancy things, and all this different little uh, other gospels, another Jesus, another whole bunch of stuff, and they, it devours them. 
friends. They get their lives eaten up. They go out there, friends, and they get beaten up, and they get messed up, and they get, but Paul's saying, but I'm the guy that's giving you the truth. And if you think I'm a fool, then just for a fool's sake, listen to what I'm trying to tell you. There's a cry of his heart here. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I am talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hand of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day. I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, um, in cold and exposure. And apart from all these other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak that I am not weak? Who is made to fail and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus, He who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. Why am I reading you this? I'm reading this for you to understand something about a man who did not count his life, but walked a journey, friends. Did you read that? Dangers of this, dangers of that, roads I'm having to go on, dangers of this, trouble there, in the deep, bobbing around for 24 hours, shipwrecked, not once, not twice, not three times, shipwrecked, constantly being shipwrecked, because I've got to take ships to go where I've got to go, uh, getting uh, beaten up, friends, being stoned, uh, lashes, uh, 40 minus 1, friends, you're not allowed to give 40 because that kills a man. Here's a guy getting lashed, all, yet nothing moves him. Nothing moves him. He either had tremendous faith, or, friends, he had a single-mindedness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A single focus, friends, that this stuff is not what moves us. such an amazing story in the Bible, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they create this massive fire. And they pray and they say, Lord, remove the fire. And God comes down and he removes the fire. If that's in your Bible, you need to come bring your Bible to me. So we can check it out. The reality is, friends, he's the Lord of the fire. He's not concerned about the fire. The story is not about the fire. The story about is their message going to change because of the fire? And guess what? They came out of the fire and they weren't even smelling of smoke. There isn't even a taintedness about the fire because he's Lord of the fire. Friends, when we're journeying through life and fire comes, and it will come, storms come. To the just and the unjust. And when the storms come, friends, it's not a panic. I don't mind storms. The storms do not dictate to me. They tell me where my house is built. When the fire comes, friends, it tells me my heart. It tells me what I believe. Will my message change? Times are tough now. It's very tough. Oh, I didn't get that increase. I didn't get that promotion. Now, oops, things have gone up. VAT has gone up to 15%. Now, and oh, they've increased all my insurances and all my costs and everything. And I sit there and I go, I've worked it out. I can't afford to tithe. The fires come and just tells me what I believe. I just threw in tithing there not to 
upsets anybody, but because I can, and it's the greatest test of a heart. Friend, if you wobble over tithing, you are wobbling in life. I promise you that. Because if you cannot give God 10%, friends, you cannot give Him your life. And I got in finances in there. Yeah, I did. Send me an email. Please. We've got to get over this, church. We've got to get an understanding of this. We've got to get the mentality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got to understand that Jesus paid a price for you and I to live and to shine and to be filled with His glory and His blessing. The rest will be added to you. God loves you. God wants to bless you, friends. But that's never been the focus. The focus has been transformed. And I haven't even gotten to my final punchline, which is Philippians chapter 2. Okay, just turn quickly to Philippians chapter 2. Five minutes. I like your heart, Chris. If I'm just preaching to you for the next five minutes, cool. Um, we're in. Let's just quickly go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. If you just go quickly to, I'll try and do this very fast. If you just go quickly to verses 12. Just read verses 12 and 13. It says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, and so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So quotes, famously quoted scripture, a lot of the time used, oh, you've got to work out your salvation um, so with fear and trembling. So you must be scared because if you don't work out your salvation, you could lose your salvation. And so let's scare the church into actually doing whatever it's called to do. So not the Bible and so not that scripture. Bottom line is, when Jesus Christ paid the price, friends, the, your salvation is based on Jesus Christ, not on anything else. If you believe in the finished work of the cross and you believe in Jesus Christ, you are going to heaven. And I don't care what your life reflects. If there is genuine faith and belief in the finished work of Jesus Christ, that is the doorway into heaven, finished and clothed. And if God has received you and you got born again and you come into His hand, there is nothing that can take you out of His hand. And even these guys say, yeah, but you can. You can jump out. Friends, if you genuinely give your life to Jesus Christ, there is no way in heaven or in hell that you're going to jump out of His hand. I promise you that. So it's just the enemy trying to find something to bring fear. Just to be religious. Friends, I believe in being once born again, you are born again. I don't believe everybody is born again because I believe some people have entered into a covenant cerebrally, not a heart. Acts chapter 2 says they were cut to the heart. They were quickened to the heart. There was a transformation. Friends, a born-again believer has come out of the first Adam. He's come into Christ. He got born again. He's transformed. He's a new creature in Christ. You will know them by their fruit. You will see a born-again believer will journey, and you'll see God beginning to do a work. We understand all of those scriptures, but I'm not here to, to judge whether a person's born again or not. There's one judge. I'm just trying to give a, an understanding here and a revelation of what the gospel is trying to say here. And this thing's very powerful, friends. And it's talking about uh, uh, working out your salvation. It's a beautiful thing. And all that I've said this morning is exactly that. It's working out your salvation. I've been transformed. The gospel is about a transformation, friends. We, it's too many people coming and gathering into churches, friends, and trying to grab hold of and cling to promises that can better their lives, change their lives, change their circumstances, change their situation at the end of the day, and they're not being transformed. There's something wrong with that. It's not the Bible. When we come and we gather together as a family, we are being transformed. That's why we have to work out our salvation. This thing comes out of my life. It's salvation that's going on inside of me. I've been transformed. I'm renewing my mind. I'm changing my thinking. The way I used to operate, the way I used to act, the things that I used to do are no longer me anymore. So now when you see me, it's no, no longer that me. It's now this me. Amen. That's the gospel, friends. It's a journey of that. So when we have a look here, that's what it's trying to say. So we quickly have a look and it says, therefore. How many know when it says therefore, you have to look before to see what it's there for. Right? So we quickly go back to see what it's there for. We just go back.
to the verses before to see what it's there for. And it says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth, under the earth, and every tongue should confess. So that's very good. So now when we read verse 9, it says, Therefore God has highly exalted him. So, therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, now also uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's therefore, I go back and it's therefore, therefore God has highly exalted him. So work out your salvation because Jesus has been highly exalted, but it gives me another therefore. So he was highly exalted. Why was Jesus highly exalted? I have to go back. What was that therefore? So quickly go back. What it's therefore? Though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Why did God highly exalt him? Because Jesus humbled himself, being obedient to the point of death, not counting himself. So then we quickly go to verses 3 and 4, just, and the Bible says, talking to us now, it says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this mind in you, which was in Christ. Pulling that all together. What's he trying to say? He's saying, you need to work out your salvation. Why do you need to work out your salvation? If you go back while the therefore is there, it's because God highly exalted Christ. Why did God highly exalt Christ? If we go back, we find out because he had this mind that was in him, that he didn't think uh, equality with God was something to be grasped, but he made himself of nothing. We go back into the first verses of chapter 2, and it tells us to do exactly the same thing. Amen. If I could parallel it, I would quickly parallel it for the sake of time. So what he's saying is, He's saying, just as my son modeled this example, and you're made in his likeness, so you need to follow suit with exactly the same example. You've got to work out the salvation. How do you work it out? You humble yourself. Become obedient. Count others more significant than yourself. All these wonderful things, and then you will also be exalted. So watch this. It's a promise, friends. And then landing. If you, if you look at uh, the end of, of uh, 13, it says this. Um, it says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So there is a, there is a declaration, work out your salvation. There is a therefore before it. The therefore before it, friends, is a promise of God. And then there is a for or because afterwards, which is the power. Working out your salvation there's a promise, and after it is the power. So God is saying here, He's saying, it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. God is at work in you. Work out your salvation because He's going to exalt you. It's a promise. How do you work out your salvation? He gives us the map of working out your salvation. And then He says, you can work out your salvation because it's God who's working inside of you. So watch the process. Watch the understanding this morning. Friends, we're not in survival mode. We have been born again, transformed into the likeness and image of Christ. It's Christ who's working inside of us. We need to work out the salvation in our lives. The church needs to be outworking the salvation of God inside of their lives, maturing, coming to the full stature of Christ. As we're maturing, friends, it's Christ. It's power that's working within us, friends, that's doing this. And we have this promise that we will be exalted just like Christ. We will be exalted in the future. Now, does this happen by accident? No. It doesn't happen by accident. People sitting in the church, oh, no, God, it's just, he's working inside of me. It's just happening. He just does it however he wants to do it. No, friends, it's very purposeful. It comes with my understanding, therefore, and because. 
that I can work this out, this incredible salvation. So why do I want to encourage us today? Why am I sharing this? Why do I want to stir us up? This is not a survival mentality, friends. This is a powerful mentality. This is a, a, a revelation of the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. This is the mystery that God's been trying to declare. It's Christ in us. He's the hope of glory. Christ in me, I've been transformed into his image and into his likeness. I've been called to be his son and his daughter. So every single day when I wake up, friends, I want to live in that revelation in a greater and greater measure. And no matter what happens or comes my way, it doesn't change who I am and that I'm called to shine. I'm called to live out. I'm called to work out this salvation. And I'm stirred up in my heart and I'm allowed to do this as a son and daughter of God. Is that one day Christ will exalt me. Now we sit in church. I haven't grabbed hold of a promise and I'm saying, oh dear God, I hope today is the day that it comes through and this comes through. And people, how are you doing? And I'm not doing so well, but I'm believing God. It's going to come through. We're going to have a good day. Tomorrow is going to be a better day because God's going to come through for me. And then tomorrow comes and oh, the next day is going to be a better day because oh God. And friends, that's why he doesn't give us the right. We don't have internal rights. He doesn't give you the right to be depressed. He doesn't give you the right to have a bad day. Because you're born again. Because you've been transformed into his image and into his likeness. And I get to shine. What? I get to display Christ every single moment of my life. And when the enemy wants to speak to me and tell me something that's contrary, I can rise up and I go, Oh well, you've forgotten who you're talking to. Talking to the covenant guy again. I have a covenant relationship with Jesus. I'm his kid. All the promises are yes. I know they're promises. Yeah, well, but don't you, can't you see? You still got pain and what have you. I walk in health and wholeness every single moment of my life. I thank you, Jesus, that I have covenant with you. You're at work. It doesn't change the truth. I don't care what the enemy wants to say. It doesn't change the truth. The truth is I'm healed. That's cuckoo. No, that's not cuckoo, friends. That's being transformed. That's living a life in Christ. And then when the enemy comes and wants to lie to us, friends, he, all he's trying to do is test your and my faith. And because we've been trained in a lie, because we've been trained in wrong thinking, when we think of faith, what are we thinking of? He comes to test with our God. Strong enough faith to get that Ferrari. Is my faith going to shake? Is it wavering? Oh, I do have strong enough faith to get that healing. But to get that promise. No, it was you. You didn't have enough faith. Friends, he's not even talking about that, friends. When he's talking about fight the good fight of faith, friends, he's not talking about your spouse. He's not talking about your circumstances. He's not talking about the promises. He's talking about a single-mindedness. Fight the good fight of single-mindedness. When your eye is single, your whole body is full of light. Double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let him not think he will receive anything from the Lord. Come on, church, it's in the Bible. Cleanse your hands, sinners. And then what does it say? Purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's two completely different things. I'm not talking about your sin this morning. I'm talking about a double-mindedness. When you're single, in God is your single focus. And I don't have, pull down every vain imagination that wants to raise itself above the knowledge of God. Friends, that's spiritual warfare. That's actually spiritual warfare. Pull that sucker down and say, listen, I'm single-minded. My trust and my faith is in Jesus Christ. I fight the good fight of faith. Stay focused. Stay single-minded. Stay trusting the Lord. Stay on this understanding. I've been transformed. I'm a new creature in Christ. I am Christ-like. And my life is to live and display that. And yes, I'm going to be tested. And it's okay, bring the fire. 
Because that fire is way better than the fire. Test me now, Lord, in that fire. Because that fire tests my heart. It goes, okay, well, I sit down and say, I believe I'm fine. No, no, it's all great. Woo, this fire is a little bit hot. Okay, well, nah, maybe the word doesn't say that. I supposed to say something else. Nope. Says it. Amen? Who's stirred up? Come on. If you're not stirred up, I'm going to pray for you. I'm stirred up. You know why I'm stirred up, friends? Because I'm, I'm tired of survival mode. I'm tired of letting the world batter us around, whatever, and then we just kind of survive, and I'm just trusting the Lord. You know what? If it, this can just happen, I can, I'll get through. I don't want to get through. If I'm just going to get through, I want to go up. Because I'm his son and his daughter. I'm a covenant child of God. He's my father. Amen. Take my health. Take my job. Take my everything. You kind of get Job. He sits there and says, what must I do? You are the God of everything. My life is in your hands. I'm not. Why don't you just curse God and die? I ain't cursing God. And I'm not dying. I'm going to live because he's my father and he's declared it. And God says, oh, I love this guy. Look at my son, Job. Wow, oh, that guy. Let me just bless him. We don't want wives. Do we? <laughs> See what I'm not saying? <laughs> We're not Solomon. <laughs> Is that God just blessed him seven times? I'm saying as a people of God, you might have gone through a challenge and a difficulty. Maybe you're sitting there and you're crying out and you're going, God, please answer my prayer or please remove this or please do that. I want to tell you, I, there's no problem with that, believing God, or whatever you're believing Him for. Don't let that shape your destiny. Don't let that shape your life. Don't let that shape your day. Stand before Him today and just say, Lord, that thing, friends, is not who I am. I'm a covenant child of God. I'm blessed. I'm in love with Jesus. He's in love with me. He's surrounding me. I just love that his presence is always there. He's got his hands and he's holding me. I can't fall. Oh, that happened to you. Didn't it affect you? No, it didn't. See, when people say this, people go like, oh, no, he's just delusional. He's just, no, he's born again. Shall we stand? Can I tell you now, true love is rooted in this? True love. Any other love, friends, is not love. It's needy. It's I love you, do you love me? This love that's rooted in this, I get to love you because I'm born again. I've been transformed. I'm made in His image and His likeness. I am love. See, we don't want to learn to do church, but never become the church. My heart is we're a small enough group of people that we can become the church. This little group of people can change the world. If they understand this and this revelation, you can change the world. Because you become the church. You become love. You become this oasis that God always designed the church to be. People can come and drink. We're not a place where it depends on what kind of day we're having. It depends where I'm at. Friends, as you go throughout your day, every single day, don't ever let that day be a place of, well, right now I'm very busy and the last thing I want to do now is actually help that guy. I was born to help that guy. And I want to be in a place every single day that if I walk past him, I can help that guy. But if we, I can't help him because I'm actually feeling bad now. I'm really not in a good place. I never read my Bible this morning. So, Father, we just want to pray. We want to pray today, Lord God, that all that I've said, I love when Paul said, maybe I'm not eloquent with words, but I am speaking the truth. Maybe this morning I haven't been very eloquent with words, but I am speaking the truth. And I pray today, Lord God, that the truth would set people free. 
you know the motivation of my heart this morning, Lord God. I'm just so tired of people being robbed. Good people. Amazing people, Lord God. The enemy has lied to them. They're living in survival mode and way beneath what God's called them to. And all it needs is a change of thinking. And all you're getting, get understanding, the Bible says. God, I pray that you would help us to get understanding this morning. This thing is so about you. It is so you. It's all you. It's Christ in us. I want to thank you for your word. And I want to thank you for your promises. And I want to thank you, Lord God, that we are a people that love your promises and that, yes, we want to add our amen to them. So I want to thank you, Lord, that we can stand before you today, Lord God, with the amazing promises of your word. And we can stand in faith and believe and trust you and uh, honor you. And, uh, and we just thank you, Father, that you're a God who will honor your word. You're not a man that you should lie or repent. You said, have I said it, will I not do it? That will come to pass. But even those promises, Father, they do not dictate who I am. So whether that promise comes to pass or doesn't come to pass, I'm a covenant child. We are covenant children. We are sons and daughters of the living God. And we will not let life speak louder than truth. We let truth speak louder. So I want to thank you this morning for the truth of your word. I want to thank you, Lord God, that you watch over us, that you protect us, that you bless us. I want to ask today, Lord God, for a single-mindedness that will come upon this church. We are not double-minded people. We are a stable, solid people. Lord, we have built our house upon the rock. Jesus, a word, a truth. When the storms come, they're not trying to attack us. They're trying to attack the house. The Bible says when the attack comes, it's not against you, it's for the word's sake. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the fire was not to cook them. The fire was because of the word that they spoke. We believe God can deliver us, but even if he doesn't deliver us, we will not bow. I want to pray today, Lord God, people are going through fires, circumstances, situations, Lord God. I want to ask even now, Lord, as we take a moment out, all it takes, friends, is a simple repentance. Say, so, Lord, in the midst of the strain and the difficulty, I caved, I gave in, I repent. I changed my way of thinking. Go back to the highest place. I will not let the fire dictate what I believe. I will not let the fire change my message. And my heart. I am for you 100%. My life is yours. Wherever you lead, just like Paul, wherever you lead, even if you lead to places which don't exactly bring comfort, even if you lead to places right now where it seems like my job is in danger or but you told me to do this or it doesn't shake me, Lord, because my trust is in you and my message stays the same. I believe in you. I trust in you. I love you. I honor you. And I will walk in covenant with you all the days of my life. May you help us, Lord, as we become single-minded people that are focused totally on you and your word and doing your will, that the rest will just be added unto us. 
And by the rest, if you read it in context, he means all the rest. Finances, food, clothing, houses. Just to encourage you this morning, Jesus said, there's no man that gives up houses, lands, father, mother, brother, sisters. For me, they will not receive in this life 100 fold. I believe in receiving houses, cars, <laughs> fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters. But when you're single-minded, that's never your focus. Your focus is seeking first the kingdom. The king, his domain, his rule, and his reign. The rest just will follow when that happens. Will, will you, God, I ask right now as a pastor, shepherd of this flock, will you cause that to be our destiny? Will you cause that to be our inheritance? That as this church, Lord, becomes an oasis where people can come and drink from, Lord, will the rest just be added? Will you multiply that there's no needy one amongst us? Will you multiply that we have more than enough, that there's a river that flows financially out of this church, Lord God, to meet needs of every single person that may come in here. May you expand our sphere of influence. May you increase, Lord God, our capacity. May you give us the promotions. May you do all of that, Lord. But for one purpose only, that your kingdom might come and your will might be done in and through our lives. And that we might be the greatest display of Jesus Christ on this earth that's ever been seen. May we truly be your hands and feet, your eyes, your ears, your mouthpiece. May we be the body of Christ in this area.